So when someone says, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? Do you just go right to that or do you, well, I saw a movie or? No, I tell them I watched the jazz game. <laughs> well. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Ali Khalifa, oh, wide Ali. open, he drives, and he got, it. he got hammered. Ali knocks yes. it down. <laughs> the Egyptian magician, Ali Khalifa. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports yeah, it. play. It is a winning Monday on BYUSN with BYU men's basketball picking up their first ever Big 12 win and the player of the game, Ali Khalifa, is with us to celebrate Let's after go. just a huge win at UCF. Ali, congratulations on a great yeah, win. Great to see you. Thank you. Great to see you guys too. What Have does you... the first Big 12 win mean to you in BYU? <laughs> it means great. I mean, we've been waiting for it. We were so close against Cincinnati and Baylor. Um, it was great to have it on the road, obviously, uh, against a big crowd. It was fun. Over under like 50 texts about your dunk. Over. A <laughs> hundred? No, not, not, not a hundred. It was a lot of tweets, I would say. A lot of tweets. A lot of social. A lot of social. Stuff. It was good yeah. social. Yeah. Um, they should have called a foul on that too, right? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, when you turn and realize, oh, they didn't follow me. Yeah. Like instantly, or you're like, yeah, I'm throwing this down. So actually, um, there's a backstory for that. It was a media timeout. Coach just subbed me in, and he realized. Coach Pope takes all credit for that. He realized like they're jumping over in the in the handoffs, and he said, "Ali, just keep it when down. Give you the ball. Try to catch it deep and just keep it." And Spencer told me I'm gonna cut from the corner because he wanted to get the ball. And in my head, I'm like, I'm just gonna try and dunk it. And I was wide open. I thought I was wide open. I thought I'm gonna just be myself. And then their big man jumped and made it, <laughs> made now, it look better. So now backstory on that: when you took a tour when you were being recruited here. One of our uh, our boss actually was explaining like the replay room, and he goes, "So when you when you dunk it, you know, to, and you go, now wait a minute, you don't know my game. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's your game. That's, that's game. part of your game, exactly. right? Now yeah. part of the game. I love it. I game. love yeah. it. Uh, Ali Khalifa is with us on BYUSN. It got a little bit strange at the end. You're up 13, but you but you hold on. What does it take to win a game in the Big 12 Conference when the margin of error is so thin? It, takes a lot. It's, it's so hard to win, obviously, in general, in any conference, but in the best conference in the world, the teams that people talking about UCF, the hottest team in the country right now because they just beat Kansas. Everybody thought Kansas unbeatable, and UCF just comes and beat them at home, and they play us with big crowd, and it was, it took a lot, obviously. Like you said, we went through adversity this last, last six, seven minutes, and I feel like our defense was holding great against them, rebounding and defense and getting stops, and um, our free throws need we need to work on that obviously, but it was just it was just good to see that fight in us even if we're not scoring we let them we let them score and we want to win so. 58 points allowed. They shoot 29 percent, 17 percent from three. Yeah. What did you guys do defensively? Sometimes people miss, but hey, you can kind of create a certain kind of shot defensively, right? That they get. Yeah. Um, what did you guys do to do that? Because that was the winning formula. Yeah, I feel like we forced a lot of contested threes and contested mid-range shots. I feel like they obviously crashed the glass super hard with all five players. And yeah, Diallo was a handful. Yeah, he was a huge dude. So it was it was good to force them to take bad shots, and they were missing, and they were getting second chances, and we didn't give up. They were missing those two, and 
that showed a lot of fight in us. Even every time out, we would talk about getting stops. We wouldn't talk about offense mm. at all. And it was, it just, it took a lot defensively just to be able to get stops and just force contested shots in the pick and rolls, just have active hands and just try and get a stop and get a rebound, so. You've had a lot of great moments in your college basketball career, spanning from Charlotte now to BYU. Where does what happened on Saturday with your season-high 17 points and the dunk and the first Big 12 win rate among all of the things you've accomplished as a basketball player? It's probably top two, I would say. Um, it, was, it was just great. It was so fun. Even after the game, we were running to the locker room and we were just having so much fun and shouting. And just good to see the ball go in and be able to shoot the ball. I think that's the most shots I took this year. And I was just so super happy we just got the win. We, we were so close against Baylor. Like I said, we were so close against Cincinnati. And... It's good just to get a win in the Big 12, obviously the first win, and it just feels amazing. So. Um, you said top two, what's the other one? Um, in Charlotte, we had a buzzer beater against our rivals, Davidson, yeah. at Davidson, Jackson Threadgill. So my best friend, he hit the shot. Um, that, was, that was something else. That was <laughs> that's, a, hey, that's awesome. That was like overtime, away game, and I would say that's both of them probably number one right now. Yeah, both away games. Yeah, both, both away, away games. games. Exactly. It, it's hard to win in this league, man. Exactly. Um, any, wh wherever you play, um, we'll talk about Iowa State in a sec, which, by the way, you know, ranked matchup, we think, and top 10 in the net. I mean, that's about as big as it gets, pretty yep. big time. Um, okay, the celebration. Walk us through that, and then it's Pope's 100th win at BYU. There's a, a, there's a jersey from Trevanel. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so we went to the locker room, obviously. Um, uh, Dallin had the phone on him just to record what's going to happen, and um, Trevanel had his jersey just to have a number, number 100 on it. And it was just pretty cool. I think we would have done it against Cincinnati or Baylor. And just pretty cool to see Coach Pope get 100 with BYU. It just shows a lot about him, only four or five years. And it was, it was, it was so fun in the locker room right after. He just, if people saw the video, just, it was just to get it over with, just to get the first win and get rolling, obviously. And it was, it was cool. Did you hit your head on the ceiling in there? It looked like it was like an office space. Yeah, it was, it was pretty close. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I, I didn't, it was a pretty small area in the yeah. locker room, but I didn't really, I mean, after that dunk, I don't think my, my knee wasn't doing great, so yeah. I didn't really jump that high. I tried to push up a little bit. You did it on the dunk. Yeah, I did it on the dunk, exactly. So. Well, let's follow up there. How is your knee feeling, and uh, you know, how, how much can we expect from you moving forward against Iowa State and against the other teams? I feel like I'll, I'll be fine. It feels, it feels better, obviously, every day. It's still not, not quite there yet, but... Um, it feels better every day, like we're getting treatment. Uh, shout out to Michael Davey, yeah. Liz, and, and Rob every day, just being with them in practice and after practice and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just trying to get better every day. I think I'll be fine moving forward. Just need to see. You. You're such a unique player. Um, when did you become a great passer? And when and when and why is that become, did that become important to you? Yeah, it, I feel like high school, I would say. In, uh, when I moved to Australia, we had a lot of great players, obviously, and I had to find a skill set to be good at. And I mean, I was a good shooter back home. I was mainly shooting the ball in Egypt, but not really passing the ball. Like I had potential there, but I never really tried hard. But I feel like in high school, I just started developing this passing thing that I'm tall and I can see cutters and I can see the play before it happens. Obviously, watch a lot of film and watch a lot of great passers before and now in the NBA just to see how they see the game and how to look at defenders. And Who exactly do you watch? I watch Jokic a lot. For obviously, sure. So. You've been, uh, Bill Walton called you the Jokic in oh, college. That's, that's, that was quite the thing to have Bill Walton say that, right? Yeah, that was a 
privilege, obviously, to be compared <laughs> to awesome, some somebody like that. But yeah, just to see defenders where they at. I always watch film with our offensive coordinator, Coach Cody Figure, and see how they're gonna guard how they're gonna guard the guards and how they're gonna guard. Are they gonna switch or are they gonna have slips open and where the defenders are gonna be located. Um, but yeah, just came from high school, I believe, in Australia, just to be able to work on this part of the game mm. and be really good at it. So. And now you have film where you keep it. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, they, now they're going to fall for the passes. Now they're not, they're not expecting me to exactly. drive. Exactly. So. Yeah. To show that the play is, uh, yeah, exactly. is out there. Send the That's scout. <laughs> Ali Khalifa is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I remember our first interview that we did with you when you signed with BYU, and mm. you told us, I had to find a way to get on the floor, and, and passing was the way to do that. Now, mm. now we're seeing it. So, mm. what else have we not seen from Ali Khalifa that's in, that's in the arsenal? Oh, like the dunks. Like I, said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like shooting. I feel like I've been shooting it pretty good this this past couple of games. Um, I haven't really showed it a lot of it, but last game I feel like I was open most of the plays. So, I feel like shooting. I'll shoot at a high level, hopefully in, in conference. I always get. You get hot in conference, so it's gonna it's gonna be good. Um, that's overall. I, I I don't really force anything. If they're gonna give me the shot, I'll take it. If they're gonna give me the drive, I'll take it. So um, just we'll see. It's, it's a surprise to see what's gonna happen in conference. Like nobody ever expected me to dunk on somebody in conference in the Big Twelve. So <laughs> uh, hey, we did. I and on I, UCF we, we Lake, no less. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that was special uh, okay. with all the uh, what are the, the fronds in, yeah. in the. <laughs> In the crap, the palm fronds. Yeah, yeah. the palm fronds. Okay, huge game with Iowa State. You know every game's important, but when, when a game like this, an opportunity to get to 500 in the league and uh, pick off a, a team like this, what, what is it like to know, okay, we have another huge opportunity coming up and at home? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, Iowa State has just beat Houston last week, and they beat Oklahoma State by a lot on the weekend, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they come here in Provo, and I feel like we have a very good chance to get the, to get the win. And... Like you said, to get 500 in the league and to prove to the league that we belong here, we just just we don't care about what happened before. We just care about the next game and we take it game by game. And we're really excited. We're gonna host a really good team, like top 10 in the net. And I mean, we're top 10 in the net as well. So it's gonna be yep. it's gonna be really fun tomorrow. I believe. Your deep blue is so cool, by the way. No. Thanks for sharing your story. Is Thank there anything you. that you want to follow up on from the story and tell people about that didn't get mentioned or uh, um, there? Because it, it was cool to see you and Nesma. Yeah. Who, Played at Cincinnati. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, they showed a lot. I, uh, I'm not. They would have showed my, some of my friends as well. My girlfriend would have been mm -hmm. would have been cool as well. But <laughs> they interviewed them. I would yeah. say, but I don't think they had space in the video. Yeah. Um, because they couldn't fly. They were on Zoom calls. But it was, it was pretty cool just to see, um, BYU Nation really cares about who we are as people before, become before an athlete. So it was it, it was pretty cool. Great stuff. Ali, congratulations again on a big win. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go and play well against Iowa State if they yep. decide to leave you open and maybe, there's a lane. Maybe another yam. Hey, just, we'll see. Just go do your thing, man. I'm going to try. I'll get that. That's I'll awesome. Get Thanks, Ali. Thank you. Appreciate it. And he knows Marvel, by the way. Go watch the Pope Show from last week. Oh, yeah. Which you can watch the Pope Show every Thursday uh, at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. And ESPN Plus. Like I nailed all the Marvel questions, like in a second. It's amazing. Smart dude. He knows, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Those infinity stones. <laughs> I'm with you. We'll recap an awesome weekend across BYU sports, including women's basketball and their first Big 12 win to a sub-four-minute mile at elevation mm. and more. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. 
You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can follow the show on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem Jordan. Let's roll out a load of Monday headlines. Number 18 men's basketball got its first Big 12 win, 63-58 at UCF Saturday afternoon. The night shot 29% from the field, 17% from three. Ali Khalifa scored a season-high 17 points, including this dunk. Hall starts it to Ali Khalifa. Ali Khalifa oh, wide open. Ali. He drives and, he and dunks a, it. How's that not a foul? And it should have been a three-point play. He got hammered. Ridiculous. A one-hand thump from Ali Khalifa. <laughs> Things opened up down the lane, and it was cleared for takeoff for Khalifa. Unlike Spencer in Detroit. BYU 1-2 <laughs> in league, 13-3 overall, 5 in the net. Number 9 in net, Iowa State coming into Provo. Should be ranked any moment now or in the next hour. Uh, pre-game on BYU TV and BYU Radio tomorrow night, 8 Eastern time. Hey, BYU women's basketball also got their first yeah. ever Big 12 win of the season. 68-58 over Cincinnati at the Marriott Center on Saturday. BYU had five players scoring double figures, including the first double-double in Emma Calvert's career. 11 points, 10 rebounds. Kaylee Wilson led BYU scores with 12 points, including this massive three at the third quarter buzzer. Ahead to Wilson, 30-foot three at the buzzer. Good! the court vision of Amari Whiting to find her sharp shooter and true freshman backcourt mate Kaylee Woolston. Up next, the Cougars take on Oklahoma State in Stillwater and look for win number two in Big 12 play on Wednesday. Football announces Friday the hiring of Kevin Gilbride as the new tight ends coach. Coached in the NFL for 12 years, comes to BYU from the Charlotte 49ers. So did Ali Khalifa, by the way, of the AAC. It was an offensive analyst there. He played one season for BYU in 98, transferred to Hawaii. Also, BYU tight end, speaking of, Isaac Rex, played in the Hula Bowl this weekend at UCF. One-handed catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Give me that. Later, after the game, he went to the BYU-UCF game because he was on campus. (laughs) So that's pretty awesome. Oh, winning weekend for Isaac as well. Cougars in the NFL playoffs now. We lead off with Puka Nakua, who had just another remarkable night. Nine catches, 182 yards, most yards by any rookie in playoff history. Had the one touchdown, but the Rams lose 24-23. It was defensive holding. Dang it! Andy Reid's Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins 26-7. Sione Takitaki had three tackles and a Cleveland Browns 45-14 loss to the Texans. Zane Anderson had two tackles for the Packers in just a shocking win in Dallas, 48-32. Is it shocking when Dallas loses? <laughs> Stephen A. But, Smith doesn't think so. Fun fact, the Packers have more wins at home uh, in the playoffs recently than the uh, Cowboys, so that's weird. Wow. Women's soccer program record five players selected in the NWSL draft on Friday, second most of any program in the country. Number one was UNC. Ha <laughs> ha! Mozingo, number four to the Royals of Utah. Olivia Smith-Griffith, second round, 20th overall to the Royals as well. Olivia Wade Katoa, second round, number 23 to the Portland Thorns. Jamie Shepard, third round, 30th overall to Bay FC. And Leveni Vaca had to wait a minute, but she got called as well. 55th pick, very emotional there to Bay FC as well, where she grew up before she moved to Utah. Ninth ranked BYU men's volleyball 
Well, they won for two on the road trip because they dropped Saturday night's match against 15th ranked Lewis in five sets. The Cougars now three and one overall in the season. Trent Moser had 14 kills for BYU off the bench. Up next, still on the road at UC Irvine on Friday. They're going to play like six matches in eight days or something crazy, which would be wild. Gymnastics scored a season high 196-1 at the Sprouts Farmers Market Collegiate Quad Saturday night. Senior Alex Mason had a standout performance, 9.85 on the beam, 9.825 on bars. Back at it tonight, two and three days, let's go. Best of Utah meet competing against Utah, Utah State, Southern Utah in the same venue, Maverick Center in West Valley. BYU men's track and fields, Aiden Troutner recorded the first sub four minute mile in the history of the state of Utah. On Saturday at the Cougar Invitational, clocking a three minute, 59 second and 20 hundredths time. Good for number one in the nation. Doing it at elevation indoor, amazing. On the women's side, some notable performances include Jaslyn Gardner winning the 60 meter dash, Rebecca Erickson winning the pole vault by over a foot and Taylor Lovell winning the mile as well. Men's tennis got its first win, 5-2 over UC San Diego on Saturday of the season to improve to one and one on the year. Doubles team of Wally Thane, Zach Fuchs, Jack Barnett, Red Owen helped lead BYU. Thane, Barnett, Owen, and Tigan Goldhammer also won singles matches. BYU men's and women's swim competing in Denver over the weekend. The men's team won each of the relay events and broke three pool records doing so. The dive teams competed at UCLA. The men's Chase Hindmarshes finished fifth and the women's Alexia Jackson finished sixth. Congratulations to all those performers. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. What do you make of Kevin Gilbride hired as the tight ends coach? I love it. It's better than I expected this late in the game. He's got football in his blood. He's tied to BYU. He's been in the NFL. This is going to help BYU's tight ends room. Yeah, he's been in the NFL from basically 2010 to 2022 with the Giants, the Bears, and the Panthers. And uh, he's a Super Bowl champ, so you love that experience. The LinkedIn looks good. Should get better for BYU for sure. All right, uh, we just talked about Aiden Troutner's sub four minute mile. How crazy was that? It was crazy. That's the first sub indoor four minute mile in the state of Utah ever run. Now it's harder at elevation. They actually adjust it to a 354.51. They shave off like five seconds. Because, because of where it happened. Elevation. Wow. So that is, that is wild. Congratulations. Provo kid, Tim Few kid, he wanted to do it in Provo. And uh, he did it, which is well pretty cool. Well done, Aiden. We'll Very talk to cool. him tomorrow on the program. Can't wait to have that conversation. Up next, one of the five Cougars taken in the NWSL draft over the weekend, the first of those five, Brecken Mazingo of the Utah Royals, joins us next to discuss the number four overall pick. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. With the fourth pick in the first round of the 2024 NWSL Draft, Utah Royals FC select Brecken Mozingo from BYU. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play -play. alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is our pleasure now to welcome into the show the fourth pick in the NWSL hey. draft. Brecken Mazingo is live on BYUSN. Brecken, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on an unforgettable weekend. Oh, thank you so much. It was an unbelievable weekend, just like you said. What was it like to hear your name called and have – 
the dream come to a reality that you are now officially a professional women's soccer player? Uh, I don't even have the words to describe what I was feeling. I still can't. I don't even think I can fully comprehend exactly what took place on Friday night, to be honest with you. I just know that I'm super stoked. Were you hoping for the Royals? Stay with the local team, a team that's leaned into the BYU Cougars recently? Um, I definitely was, but at the same time, I was like, I'm good with wherever wherever I get called to, you know? I was super stoked, and I was kind of treating it like a mission in a way, since we're on a BYU, <laughs> like, uh, kind of center ordeal here. Um, I can say that, but, yeah, I was treating it definitely like a mission. Like, wherever I get called to, that's, that's where I'm meant to be. And Utah called me, and I'm like, okay, Utah is where it's at. You are hereby called to serve. Let's go. <laughs> Brecken Mazingo is on BYU Sports Nation. What is the next two weeks of your life like now that you are with the Royals? The next two weeks. Well, this week I have off, but next Monday we report. And I have no idea what to expect next week. I know it's going to be high intensity, competitive, and just kind of cutthroat a little bit. But I'm super stoked for that. But this next week is training just kind of roughing up or i mean polishing off the edges and all that good stuff so i look forward to it you're one of five cougars on the utah Royals who have returned uh after uh you know stint away so it's kayla coolahan uh clough uh michelle vasconcelos cam tucker and then you and olivia smith griffiths also drafted to the royals what's it going to be like to play with four other byu cougars it's going to be like a little get-together. It's going to be like all the alumni getting back together, um, just taking it on another time. I mean, at least for 2024. So I'm, I'm super stoked. It will be so fun to play with them. Also, I've never played with Michelle Murphy like on the field before. And so I'm super – I don't know. I'm excited for it. It really does feel like a BYU women's soccer reunion – what was your phone yeah. like and social media like over the past couple of days talking with uh, just fans and your former teammates as well? Oh, man. I, my phone blew up on Friday. I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't know how I'm going to respond to all of these. I get kind of like stressed out with how many, like with uh, too many texts and stuff. But I genuinely just couldn't appreciate and I couldn't be more grateful for all the love and support that I was getting on Friday. It was a record night for the program, and obviously a historic last couple of years, making the College Cup twice. Um, so you go four, Olivia Smith-Griffiths goes 20, Olivia uh, Katoa goes 23, Jamie Shepard goes 30th, and then, and then Lava had to wait, but she got her name called uh, 55th overall. What was it like to have a program record five of you drafted? Man, I mean, it puts BYU on the map. That's what we were saying all weekend. We were just like... This is huge for BYU athletics and BYU women's soccer in general. Now people know who we are. When we say that we attend Brigham Young University, they know exactly who we are and where we are in Utah. So that's a huge step for us like as a program. And just under Jennifer Rockwood, like she has paved the way and so have our alumni. And so it's just amazing to see all the work starting to pay off and <clears throat> even our work pay off to get BYU recognized for who we are and who we are as a team. She is the fourth pick in the National Women's Soccer League draft. Brecken Mazingo headed to the Utah Royals. 
So at this point, as you look back, how would you rate your decision to come back to BYU as far as big decisions go in your life? Um, it was a big decision that I think could have gone well either way. I mean, if I stayed at UCLA, I would have just been in a different position than I am now. And who knows? It could have maybe been similar, maybe less exposure. I have no idea. But I am super grateful that I took the chance. And Jen Rockwood, that's the thing that I'm most grateful for, that and our coaching staff, that they were willing to give me a chance back on BYU. And it, I don't regret my decision at all. And I'm super stoked for how everything panned out. Hey, we liked it because we got to watch you play at BYU. Um, I want to I I ask you about this, too. 20% of the draft picks and three of the top four were in the BYU-North Carolina game. Did you, did you get a sense, even when you played that game and now that we've seen the draft, of how big that game was in terms of the talent in the game and obviously the result? I, I didn't even know, honestly, those, those statistics. But that's crazy. I, didn't, I truly did not even know that. But, I mean, with how hard the game was and how, how down we were at uh, the half, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised in how the game all panned out. Brecken, which things will you remember most about playing soccer at BYU as you now turn the page to your pro career? Um, the people, the people in every aspect, the, the coaching staff, my teammates, and most importantly, and especially the Cougar fans, Cougar Nation out there. I, I couldn't have like, made it, like it couldn't have been better for an environment to play soccer at. I mean, the amount of support and love that I just like already listed that I was getting on Friday night, that was the same love and support that we were feeling at every single game, which is insane. Not, I don't think any college athlete well, within women's sports can say that they have this much love and support, which is just crazy. And that's, that's the number one thing. And obviously how amazing Southfield has been kept. Our field is absolutely beautiful. And the equipment, everything's perfect there. And so those are the things I will remember most, definitely. It's been a big couple of weeks for you. Um, you go to the Herman Trophy finalist. You're essentially a Heisman candidate, right, uh, there in women's soccer. And then you're an All-American, of course, first teamer. And then the draft, you're the fourth pick overall. You're staying home, seeing your teammates go. How would you summarize, and of course, uh, you know, in December you're playing in the College Cup. How would you summarize kind of the last month-ish for you? Oh man, uh, I don't even have, I think gratitude or gratitude is just the number one thing that I can say to summarize this past month. It's been exciting. It's been exciting and I'm full of nothing but gratitude towards everything that's happened and just the appreciation that I have for my teammates and like all 32 of us that showed up all season long. And these are just like benefits that I've gotten just from how my team has performed, not even like me. I, I don't even know how these have come to me, but it genuinely was a team effort, and I'm just so grateful that I was on this team. Gratitude is an amazing way to wrap that up. Uh, Brecken, we'll finish with this. What's your message to the remaining BYU soccer players as they try and build off of a legacy that you have played such a huge part of as they try and find that next step in a national championship? 
Well, I mean, when we first came in, our like senior class came in, we were probably feeling the exact same thing that these girls are feeling now. How are we going to do this? We just lost some pretty heavily impactful players like Cam and uh, Kayla Coolahan and other girls, like the class before them as well. We were like, how are we going to be back from this? I don't know if we will. And all I can say is, like, look at where we came to be, and it took years, and it took a year, it took a couple years. And all I've got to say is, like, pick up the torch that's been left and just run with it and do the very best that you can. I mean, I have full faith in uh, our freshmen, our sophomores, our, like, two seniors and our junior class. I have faith in all of them. I know that everything's going to be restored exactly how it's supposed to. And they're going to absolutely kill it. And I cannot wait to watch this next upcoming fall. We've talked about gratitude. You just mentioned restoration, uh, missions. Uh, <laughs> nice work, Sister Mozingo. <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> Brecken, congratulations again. Uh, we, we love the emotion that you played with and the emotion that is on display here. And we're super excited for you. Can't wait to watch you play. This is not the end. We'll be talking again we'll very soon. We'll be chatting, soon. yeah. I'm super stoked. Well, thank you for having me on here. You got it. Brecken Mazingo with us on BYU Sports Nation. What? What, what a year last like, six weeks for her in her life. Uh, you could argue she's the athlete of the year at BYU, period. Who's going the, to have a better resume than Brecken Mazingo no, in this athletic calendar year? You're a, a, a Herman Trophy finalist. You're in the College Cup. You're a top four pick. You're a first team All American. <laughs> Who's going to match that? That was, am that was an amazing that. year. That was an amazing year. <laughs> Women's basketball taking on Oklahoma State Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern on BYU Radio. Cougs fresh off the first Big 12 win. Make it two. We're not done yet. We've got a few more answers to your Monday mailbag questions. This is BYU Sports Nation. Travanel, bringing it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. If you missed it over the weekend, one of the greatest accomplishments in the history of BYU track and field, and frankly, the first to ever do it in the state of Utah. Sub-four-minute mile, he is Aiden Troutner of BYU Track and Field. Aiden, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for having me. All you had to do was run a sub four mile, and we got you I in know, the sea. It's easy. super yeah. simple, right? <laughs> yeah. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> so when someone says, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? Do you just go right to that, or do you, well, I saw a movie? Or No, I tell them I watched the jazz game. <laughs> they well. Uh, finished the BYU-UCF game, which was yeah. a relief that they won that game. Yeah, got but, the first Big 12 victory. Yeah, so that is, sports are just a huge part of my life, okay. including track, so. I love that. Well, let, let's listen. We're going to talk about your incredible record-breaking performance but because you're such a huge sports fan. What do you think about BYU basketball's chances against Iowa State tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, Iowa State's coming off a big weekend. Yeah. So I don't know if – I mean, I'm, I'm always nervous for every game, especially in Big 12 play. Like, there's not a weak link in the conference. But I think if they, they move the ball well enough, don't turn it over, they should be okay. Hey, Dave. 
Let's just throw them in. Let's let them analyze. Did you watch stuff. the first huh? part of the show? <laughs> I didn't. No. Would you be sitting in the rock section? Would I, you be in there with the rock or what? No, I, I don't know. Yeah, I usually just watch. I prefer. I'm like an old man. I watch the games on TV. <laughs> like the highlights. Yeah. I mean, no. I just like. I like to sit on my couch in the comfort of my own home. I don't know, but. It just makes it easier. There's nothing wrong but, with that. Yeah. No, a, lot, a lot of people feel the way that you yeah, feel yeah. about that. All right, now to the race. Um, wh- when did you realize, as you're just booking it around the track, I mean, you are flying around the track, when did you realize, okay, my pace is really good, I might actually do this? Yeah, I mean, so we, we had planned out the pacing uh, with Kenneth, uh, which props to him just for helping, helping us out. Kenneth Rooks looking he's, out for he's his the teammates. Man, super nice. So uh, we came through 800 right on pace. I think two flat. We wanted to probably negative split. So um, and then coming through 1200, it was like 258, which is a good cushion. Like I knew, you know, if I, if I, I just had to run a 61 kind of around that just to finish. <laughs> so I, I was feeling confident, but you know, you never know. Like I was locking up pretty hard on the last stretch that's a long stretch to see the clock and just you know you don't know so i was locking up but it worked out so it was good so there's not a natural feeling of i'm four minutes and one second or i'm just under four minutes no like i mean i i felt like for the most part i was still running like relatively well but i mean i knew i was locking up for sure i was i was struggling that last little bit so we've seen all the video of the celebration you get mobbed um, somewhere in there, someone saying you ran under four minutes. Is that when it hits you that, that you'd accomplished something that no one else had done? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, it was probably before. Like, I can, you can see the clock right above okay. the finish line. So I, I could see that. So, I mean, that was kind of just, it was more of a sigh of relief that um, I've, I've pretty much only run miles at altitude. And so that's just been a huge kind of barrier goal of mine just to, to break four minutes in the mile. And to just do it at the field house is super special. So I think it was really just crossing the line was when it kind of sunk in. Listen, Roger Bannister, eat your heart out. You didn't do it at altitude, okay? (laughs) (laughs) When you say you're locking up, what does that feel like? What's happening physically in those last moments? Yeah, you're just getting lactic. The lactic acid is starting to just bite you in the legs. So, our coach, Coach Eystone and Coach Way, our assistant coach, they're, they're all about just focusing on keeping, maintaining your form. I think some people, they'll, they think you just need to run as hard as you can, but sometimes running with like better form and just maintaining is, you'll run better and more like controlled, I guess. Sure. And you'll end up running faster. So that was kind of, that was the decision I was making in the last hundred, but. So we had Kenneth Rooks here last week talking about signing with Nike and turning professional in, in the Olympics. Uh, you pass him now in the time, in, in, the, in the mile, and, and he helped a little bit, kind of your pace car yeah. uh, early on. How, how did that work? How did he help you on, on your run Saturday? And, and then you left him in the dust. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all different. The funny thing is, <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth and I, neither, I, the indoor mile is not our main event. So it's just something that we, I guess we dabble in a little bit, but um, Kenneth is an incredible teammate. He's still, I mean, he's still around. So even though he's going pro, he still was pretty much our teammate. He runs with us every day. So um, I was super grateful to have him help me out. And he did a perfect pace job. I mean, it it couldn't have gone any more perfect than 
than he ran. So, I mean, I didn't even think about passing him on the top 10 board, but um, I mean... It happens. Yeah, it, it's, it, and the, the record board's being rewritten all the time, every season, so it's just just a fact of life. Hey, you're rewriting it right now. Aiden Troutner is with us on BYU Sports Nation. At altitude, we learned that they adjust the time. So you, you go sub four, like, on the board, but now a few more seconds get shaved off because of the altitude you run it at. How does that work? So what, what's the official time now with the altitude adjustment? Yeah, so I think it's 3.54.4, somewhere around there. Okay. So right now it's good for first in the country. That will get broken for sure. There are other really good milers, but it should be good enough for to make the NCAA Indoor Championships, which is kind of the main goal with, I run the 3K, 5K, and mile, and the indoor season is so short that there's not, there's very few opportunities to qualify for internationals by time. Mm. And so this was just an opportunity I had to take advantage of. So I, it should get me, and we'll, we'll see kind of at the end of the season, but Coach Iceland's pretty confident that it will. What's the feel in this track and field program when it's just one hit after the other? Um, it doesn't matter this year, two years ago, three years ago. Here comes this group uh, led by you and your performance Saturday. What, what's the feel? You want to be a national champion? You want to be in this program? Yeah, I mean, that, that really is, we have high expectations and high standards. And so if you're not going to kind of meet those standards or be willing to put in the work to kind of hit the standard that we set, especially over the last like six or seven years, yeah. then it's probably not gonna work for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's always been my goal coming into BYU is that's why I came here is because of the great standards, the great coaching staff. And so in the next, I have a year and a half left uh, here at BYU. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's always in the back of my mind is just to compete for national championships, especially as a team. Yeah. My Good. final question for you today is, What's next? Now that you've done this and, and you hit the sub four minute mile, and you mentioned that's not even your primary race. So like, what, what are your remaining goals in the year and a half you have left at BYU? Yeah, um, so I mean, just for this season, kind of short-sighted, we have the 3K, 5K, I'll race both of those. And then we have a, we should have a good DMR team, distance medley relay that we'll put together. And I'll probably run the mile or 1200 leg on that team, uh, short term, and then qualify for the NCAA championships. Um, it's an Olympic year too, so trying to qualify for the Olympic trials will be a, a goal of mine, probably of all my teammates for sure, and that's uh, that's an important thing. And then we've uh, the national cross country championship has eluded us the past couple of years, and that's that is something that I would love to have yeah. before I finish. Yeah. All right, love that. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Outstanding. Thanks for hanging out with us, Aiden. I yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Okay, I will. <laughs> Relax, get some popcorn, kick your feet up. For sure. <laughs> up next on BYU Sports Station, the top five wins in the Mark Pope era to celebrate his 100 total wins as BYU's head coach. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. An amped up Marriott Center to haul deep three. Got it! <laughs> Dallin Hall with an NBA three! A no look to Spencer Johnson, right corner three! Spencer Johnson, new career high! 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. New Lenardi, by the way, just came out. Bractology. I, I should say it's Bractology, not Lenardi. Uh, BYU, a five seed, 10 Big 12 teams in the tourney right now. It could be their own region. This is called the Big 12 region. Ten, yeah. Put all 10 in there. It'll be hard for the committee to not repeat too many kind of second round yeah. games, potentially. There's so many right now. It is fun to watch. Because they're all 10 and they could win in the first round. Right? BYU's so getting then, experience and weathered in a way that they have not How many will be in the 32? Before. If you start with 10, how many are in the 32? I mean, it could just be a whole Big 12 tournament it could, it could reunion show. It could be pretty fun. Yeah. Kansas City is going to be very competitive with that tournament. It was fun last night. It's fun when BYU wins, of course, and Mark Pope had some fun talking to Spencer Linton after the game. What are you most pleased with from your team's performance tonight? Well, um, there's a lot, uh, of course, but what I'm really pleased uh, with statistically is I'm pleased with the 11 turnovers. So this is the uh, top three uh, turnover forcing team in the country. Um, they have personnel that are, they have two or three guys that are uh, top three, top 130 uh, in terms of forcing turnovers. And I thought our guys did an unbelievable job protecting the ball. And like we can actually, we all saw the same thing. Dallin's getting blitzed at a high ball screen and pivots, pivots, steps through strong and makes a pass. Jax gets blissed on an Aussie uh, play we run and he has the presence of mind to skip it and we get a good action in the corner. Uh, Spence, you know, we get a wide uh, three punch and Spence dribbles down and they bring the double team and he's strong enough to kind of make a play out of it and we saw that all night long and that's really important and that's that's guys that are maturing and guys that um, have some confidence, guys that aren't second getting, guessing themselves and guys that weren't getting rattled and so you put all those things together. I'm really, really proud of that statistically. Uh, of course, I love the 35 threes, and I love all that. Um, but uh, mostly, like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the guys because, you know, really shorthanded tonight. Like we got really shorthanded. We had a really tight rotation, and the guys just stepped up and fought for each other. And the bench was great. And so I just like the collective uh, togetherness was special. What kind of added value? Because you mentioned no Foose and no Trevin tonight. Does this victory take on? without those guys. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually surprised what happened because we haven't been to 33s yet in the last two games. We've been 24, 27. And so what was interesting was Trev is our most prolific three-point shooter. And so I think what the guys felt like, Trev's gone, so we get to take all the threes. So I had a guy with eight, a guy with eight, a guy with nine. I think everyone was so excited. They're like, there's shots for us. And, um, and so... You know, it's, 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 it's really important, and that's why you try and play a little bit of a deeper rotation. That's why we're really blessed to have depth. I mean, you think about it, we're losing our, our best three-point shooter, and we're losing Dawson, who's such a great guy attacking off the bounce, and we lose Foos, who's been a mainstay of us, and, and the guys still come out with a massive win here against a team that's playing elite-level basketball that's won two in a row in this league and, and really explosive and powerful. And so um, depth is important if you're going to have a great team. What's the key to getting your guys ready for a very physical team like Iowa State and one that can sometimes the emotions get out of control when it gets physical like that? It's super counterintuitive. Um, that's been a real change the way we posture it. We used to give raw, raw speeches and, and get our guys hyped. And now we're actually spending, you know, we have guys, our guys care so much that if you came in our locker room, you'd be like, man, this place is so chill. We're actually trying to dial it back, dial it back, so that, because um, sometimes with that massive emotion comes um, some anxiety and nervousness and second guessing. And so we're trying to spend a little bit more time at a nine than we are at a 10.5. And, and um, 
our guys, and, and we're blessed that we can do that because our guys work so hard and they care so much that we have to spend zero energy hyping them up and it's more just like um, very conversational and, and that's how these guys get ready for games like this. So many incredible individual performances tonight, so I'm just going to throw out a name and you tell me what you thought. First of all, with Spencer Johnson's career high, 28 points. Um, I, I'm super happy for Spence. You know, I, I, we talk about this all the time, but you think about, like, I hope fans feel this too, but as a coach, the best thing, come on, come in here, come on. Hey, no, I got something for you. Let me say this. So look, look, we just talked about this. So do you know what I think? Did you see these numbers? So we had, we had uh, no with with eight threes. A lot more we had Jacks with eight. <laughs> we had Spence with nine. I think these guys were like, Trust God, we can shoot it now. Uh, I told him, I said, you all got to make up for the ones I'm not going to take. But on behalf of all of Cougar Nation, will you hurry back, please? <laughs> I will. Don't worry. Good job. He's, how good has he been? 47 out of 100 threes. Are you kidding me? Uh, Spence with an incredible performance. Dallin. Yeah. yeah. So Spencer Johnson. You know, we've talked about this before, but when he first got here, um, ball control was a massive issue. He's got like, we were just like, don't dribble, don't, you know, just just go guard, right? And he was a maestro on this court tonight against, um, you know, against an elite level, elite level. I mean, number one, two, or three, depending on where they change after night. And you look at Spencer Johnson, he's a five assist, one turnover, you know, and scoring 30, right? But like his control of the game tonight was so spectacular. And, you know, three years ago, we might, it might've been hard to see this guy, but that's the beauty of these kids growing, man. Like it's incredible. What he just did tonight is so stunning. And it's something he couldn't have done last year. He couldn't have done two years ago, but he can do it now. And that's, that's the best part of sports, man, watching these guys grow. Dallin Hall had a great assist to turnover ratio as well. He's taken his lumps. Noah and Jackson have taken their lumps recently. Those three all showed up tonight as well. What'd you think of that? Yeah, so, you know, we talk about, um, uh, you know, um, college point guards run the play, okay? Um, good college point guards make reads out of the play. And elite level point guards move all the pieces on the chessboard. And I was talking to Dallin right after the game, but this is the first time where I watched him on the court where I'm like, oh my gosh, he is actually manipulating every player on this court to get him where he wants him, when he wants him. He had a, you know, his statistic, he shot the ball great, all that's fine. But like, if you go back and watch the film of him tonight, like he was like, a, uh, 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 like an expert, expert savant in terms of like, manipulating the defense to get him exactly where he wanted. Of course, Ali helps him with that a lot because he gives him the feature of playing this short roll game. But uh, what he did that didn't show up in the box score was incredible tonight, special. What does Ali Khalifa mean to this team? Don't I sound happy? You sound super happy, and you should. This is, this is basketball in the Big 12. It's, it's ups and downs on a roller coaster. What, what does Ali Khalifa mean to this team? Yeah, I mean... I don't know, we're gonna run out of words to say, right? Uh, you know, he had, at one point I look out, we're like five minutes left and we've switched Ollie onto 10, who's like one of the elite scorers in the big 12. And I'm like, guys, what are we doing? They're like, ah, it's okay, he can do this. And um, 
He is, uh, he's pretty special. You know, out of the short roll, he was incredible tonight. He, he was incredible. And he got help. Like Noah's burn cut on the, on the, on the short roll. Uh, Jack's his back cut. Of course, he's been working the trail five in pyramid like crazy. He's always great at that. Um, but he, like you talk, we've talked about this, but a guy that expands our game, he makes our game bigger. We're, uh, we, we can do so much more on the court because he's there. That's pretty fun. We and just Noah saw. Waterman. Let's talk about Noah. Let's talk about Noah. Let's give Noah some praise. So, um, you know, it's, it's super interesting because Trev went for through a spell where he was 0 for 10 and in two and a half games, and he was like, you know, maybe fighting a little bit of internal twisted up, uh, twisted a little bit, and and then clearly he's come out of that. He's a, he's, he's he's killing, and Noah was going through a stretch before this game. Where he's like, ah, oh, I'm just not making any shots. But what was brilliant about Noah is even though he wasn't making shots, he was our best rebounder, best defender, huge intensity on the floor, all of his passion. And as a shooter, like when you have that baseline that carries you through, it's really special. And then, and then you know as a shooter, you're going to make shots. And slumps are just kind of like, hey, I'm one shot closer to making them. And he was, he, was, he, was, he was terrific tonight. Really proud of him. We'll finish with this. How long do you allow yourself to enjoy a win like this before you turn the page? For the rest of my life. Like, it just, like, we'll enjoy this for the rest of our lives. Like, it'll be in our pocket. Now, you know, we'll go up to the office and we're going to start on Texas Tech. I mean, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know if they play today or tomorrow, but they're number one in the league right now. And so we have a huge challenge. And that's why this league is so fun, right? I, we're going, I think, we're, is, it, is it true, five games? Or are, are this five-game stretch, we're playing four top 25 teams. There's eight teams in our league in the top 25. Like, what is happening? And um, so, but we'll enjoy this forever. Like, especially the, the gym was incredible. Like, Cougar Nation came out, um, and it, it, it really felt special in the gym. And, and uh, so I'll enjoy this forever. Coach, thanks for the time. I absolutely am enjoying this for sure. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, like, we remember what happened last time Iowa State was in this gym. I remember. <laughs> so I really enjoy this. You know, this George Nang, I love him. He's one of the great human beings on the planet, but he's still got a piece of my heart. So, George, I hope you're watching. Thanks, Coach. Hey, brother. Mark Pope after the game last night with Spencer. You can hear more from the head coach and point guard Dallin Hall tonight, or actually tomorrow night, 8.30, BYU Basketball with Mark Pope on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Coming up, Lauren Gustin. 14 boards from the BYU all-time rebounding record. Will she get it done in Stillwater tonight? And the latest on Dawson Baker. And BYU football adds some experienced hires. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, BYU men's basketball with a game night and the tough January rolls on. Another ranked matchup against Iowa State. Given that tough schedule, what would be considered a good record for BYU this month? We'll discuss that with BYU basketball radio analyst Mark Durant and ask him his biggest key for BYU to beat the Cyclones. It is Top 5 Tuesday. We look at Mark Pope's five biggest wins among his 100. We're curious to see if you agree with our selections. Plus, the fastest indoor interview in school history. Aiden Trotter just ran the first sub four-minute mile in Smith Fieldhouse. He's here to talk about his need for speed as BYU's top gun in track and field. 
Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 16th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a longtime ticket scalper, Dave McCann. <laughs> I'm a one-time ticket scalper. <laughs> was it a Cubs game? Uh, no, it was a preseason NFL game, 1998, okay. in San Diego, 49ers and Chargers, Steve Young and Ty Detmer. Ty was his backup that year. So we're outside the stadium. We're like, no, let's see if we can get in. And here's a guy going, hey, I got two great seats for you. They're this and that. You'll love them. And we're like, okay. So we buy them. We joke <laughs> on our way into the stadium. Watch, these will be on the last row at the top. And they, they were. <laughs> we just kept going up. We sat down. We go, you know what? We deserve this. Shame on us. Oh, that was the hilarious. one and only time I've, uh, I've bought tickets from someone out there selling them. I've never had the, I've never been able to sell any. I've never tried to sell any. Um, and that's just not me, but some people, you know, make a living out of that. Absolutely they I mean, do. they're everywhere. The secondary ticket market is something else for sure. So we saw this thing, uh, Texas Tech hosts BYU on Saturday. Yes, we're bringing this up for a reason. Yeah, there, there's a couple of lower bowl seats available, and a Red Raider fan uh, posted on, uh, on X saying, um, hey, uh, I got two extra tickets for Saturday's BYU game in Lubbock. Don't want to sell them to Cougar fans. <laughs> um, and then athletic director Tom Homo BYU's the number one man. He sees it and tweets this <laughs> response back saying, I'm from Hogwarts in England. I'll take them. <laughs> we don't know if the transaction has occurred, but thank goodness for Halloween. Oh, uh, what did they charge Dumbledore? <laughs> There's got to be some type of spell where he can, you know, obliviate the memory and Look, just take him from him as he wants. Tom's a busy man, but I appreciate the fact that he would surf <laughs> social media, <laughs> see something like that and go, you know what? I got a picture uh, that'll work and send it out. And, and that's, that's, why, that's why students love him. Let's he get, plays the game. That, that's going to show up on the broadcast against Texas Tech. It oh, yeah. should for sure. All right. Uh, energy is good. It's a game day. Let's go. Rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Cougars have Big 12 win number one. Indeed they do. One and two through three Big 12 games and a huge one to get that first at UCF. Dave, you said, look, BYU doesn't win in Orlando. There's a chance they might go 0-7, 0-8, 0-9. That's not the case. They picked up the win. They figured it out on the road. And the Cougars are now trying to get back to 500 tonight in a ranked matchup. For what it's worth. Vegas has BYU as a four-point favorite yeah. at home tonight against the Cyclones team that doesn't shoot a ton of threes. They want a low-scoring affair. BYU, basically the opposite when it comes to their offensive approach. Now, this is all a precursor conversation to the bigger picture here, Dave, because this January is brutal for BYU in the Big 12. Beginning with Iowa State, then at Texas Tech, then they host Houston, then they host Texas. That's how BYU ends January. Those are the final four there. So, with that in mind, what would qualify as a good record in the seven games for BYU men's basketball through the month of January in this gauntlet of a Big 12? Super tough, and there they are. One and two already. I think the win Saturday allowed them to just exhale. Yes. We got one. Uh, now, now go out and defend your home court 
um, and, and get number two, and, and then now you're moving places. There's such a difference between 0 and 3 and 1 and 2 in the, in the mind, especially with the games coming up. But I think, you know, tonight is a big opportunity to win at home. And, uh, and you look at those others, and, and uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock, that's going to be super hard. Super hard for any team in America. Uh, Houston coming here. Houston's bugged because they've lost two conference games already. Um, maybe they're not as good as, as what everybody thought. Or maybe they just got beat by two better teams on that night. But we know that what, they're, what they're bringing here. Uh, and Texas is vulnerable. If, if Texas can go to West Virginia and lose, they can come to Provo and lose. Certainly. So I'm going to go two more wins in the month. That would qualify as good. That would qualify as good. That would, that would leave you at um, uh, three and four. Yes. Considering and who the four losses are to. Absolutely. BYU fans should feel ecstatic about the prospect of finishing January three and four after the one and two start. Yeah. Now, obviously, if BYU had beaten Cincinnati in their Big 12 opener, we're having a little bit different conversation here. But again, through three, you got one win and you have Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, and Texas. So the next three games are all against ranked opponents. All those are quad one teams. Texas currently is a quad two opportunity for BYU because it's in Provo. I'm with you. Three and four, I can settle on that and say that is good. 100%. That would be a good record. There's, I, there's a chance that BYU goes two and five through January. And you know what? Even if that happens, it's not time to freak out. Because February, at least on paper, gets significantly calmer. It's still very difficult, but it's way more calm than what this January slate has been. Yeah, look at February here and you start playing. West Virginia, that's a road game, but they're 136 in the net. Oklahoma's 20. Kansas State at 57 in Provo. UCF in Provo. Yep. Oklahoma State's vulnerable. Baylor. BYU should beat Baylor BYU in Provo because they should have beat them in, in Waco. They can beat Baylor in Provo. And, and so, I, you know, there's opportunities all over in February. What are we trying to build? We're trying to get to 20 wins? Absolutely. In theory, to get to the yeah, big dance. Sure. Well, yeah, that, that would mean eight conference wins, going eight and ten in the Big 12. That's before the tournament, too. So if you got two more in, in January and then you pick off, uh, let's say, at West Virginia, again, not an easy place, but you defend your home court against Kansas State and UCF uh, and, and Baylor. Um, there's four more wins. That gives you seven, puts us at 19. As we, no, it put us at 20 as we sit today. Seven wins, get, we're 13 and Seven three. wins from today. From today. Yes. Would, get, would put would get BYU to at 20. When you get into March, you play TCU. I think it's the best team in the league so far. But then you get Oklahoma State at home. Oklahoma State at home the last day of the yes. regular season. And then all of a sudden, because they won at Central Florida, all of a sudden you're going, you know what, the road map to 21 wins is doable. Defend your home floor. You went on the road and you got back yes. the game you gave up. By getting beat at home. John Rothstein of CBS Sports joined us uh, a little over a week ago, and he said the key to BYU, and I'm paraphrasing here, the key to BYU getting into the NCAA tournament is playing well on their home floor. If they do that, and they go six and three in Big 12 play at home, or even, you know, if they get if they can get six wins at home and then pick off two or three on the road. Dave, you're in pretty position. Like you were looking at like a six seed, seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Let's say if they yeah, if they win six games, if they go six and one at home the rest of the way. Let's say they let's say they get beat by Houston. 
you know, you've got to play good to win all these games. But we're just saying, sure. you go six and one at home the rest of the way, you get to 19 with a, with a net in the top 20, no matter who, who beats you on the road. For sure. You're, you're in the show with 19 wins and a net in the top 20. If we're playing averages right now, again, based on the one and two start, it feels like because Cincinnati we thought was a game that BYU should win at home and it was one of those six, maybe BYU goes five and four at home. But BYU is certainly capable of winning at West Virginia. They're capable of winning at uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. They, they can pick off a few more on the road. Like be, because we've seen BYU do it at UCF, like we know – the Cougars are capable of accomplishing that. So, I'm still listen. If BYU wins tonight and they beat Iowa State and they're two and two in, in Big Twelve play, I'm still riding with my nine and nine conference record. Yeah, I Even, think I think you're on track for I'm it. Still riding. I'm still riding with nine and nine. But they got to beat Iowa State tonight. If yeah. they lose tonight at home, and cannot again through the second opportunity get a home win in Big Twelve play, now you're probably staring at seven and eleven or eight and ten. And I'd felt better about tonight's game. Uh, until Houston went and got beat by Iowa State. And I'm like, okay. This is the most unpredictable. Every team can win in every, any night. Wild conference yeah. in America. And it is super fun to watch it all unfold. Uh, a question for another day that maybe we'll discuss. Is BYU ever going to have a winning record in Big 12 play at any point this season? Will they have a winning record in the Big 12? Just think about that. We'll probably discuss it in a future show. Tonight... If they beat Iowa State, this might be BYU's best opportunity to actually get above 500 because you got to beat Iowa State, and then maybe, maybe you catch Texas Tech on the road. Yeah. But will they have a winning record at any juncture this season? Well, let's, let's start with 500, and then we got a chance. Food for thought. <laughs> yes, let's start with beating Iowa State, which takes us to topic two. Our question, you want to do our question of the oh, day? Yeah. We go yeah. right into yes, that. let's do question of the day, and then we'll get into topic two. So BYU currently one and two in the Big Twelve, uh, with games remaining against Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, and Texas. That's been our conversation theme for January. What would qualify as a good record for BYU men's basketball in the month of January? You've heard our opinions. Now, now would love some of yours. Three and four, we say, is good. Okay. Logan White on Instagram says, I think splitting the remaining games would be a big success. A 3-4 and four January puts the team on a good path to seven or eight conference wins. Yeah. 100% agree. 3-4 and four in January, and I, I, again, I'm still feeling like BYU can win nine conference games, but you got to get to 3-4 and four in this first month. David Blaine German on Facebook, 2-5 and five would be okay. Yep. 3-4 and four would be good. 4-3 and three or better would be amazing. That would be elite. <laughs> and it starts tonight. <laughs> Got to beat Iowa State. Hashtag BYUS on an X, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. So Cougars and Cyclones tonight, our second topic here on this uh, Super Tuesday. What is your biggest key for BYU to win? I'm going with what Mark Pope told me just as Big 12 play was about to begin. And he said, we've been looking. I asked him, what, what stat do you pay most attention to? And he's like, I love the assist-to-turnover ratio. I love how we're sharing the ball. Obviously, we want to shoot a ton of threes. But I'm looking at turnovers. we got to be 10 or fewer. That has been a huge point of emphasis for BYU is to have 10 or fewer. A lot of teams are okay with 12. And maybe BYU is okay with 12 a game. But Mark but not Pope, 18. No, Mark Pope said we're, we're looking at that turnover number each and every day and how we can secure the basketball and get good shots. 
and just give ourselves more opportunities rather than then those, those dead giveaways. So that's where I turn my attention to because you brought up the 18. Like when BYU in conference has struggled to take care of the ball, especially late in the game against Cincinnati and against Baylor, what happened? Well, BYU, BYU lost. And BYU even had a few weird moments against UCF. Take care of the ball. BYU can secure it. And I, like Marks wants to be at 10 or fewer. If they have 12 or fewer against a very defensive-minded Iowa State team, then they got a great shot to beat the Cyclones. And those lazy turnovers. Yeah. You know, I'm going to throw this pass. It's got zero chance of actually getting there. Um, and, and, then with, and then they throw it. Um, those, those turnovers are, are, are fixable because yeah. it's like, hey, don't do that. It, you know? yes. Sometimes you're going up against a seven-footer and he jumps out of the gym. You're like, man, I didn't see that coming. But most of these turnovers are, are, are the kind that you can fix just by, I think, being cognitive about it. Absolutely. And, and that killed them in their first home game of the Big 12, and it's got to be better tonight. Turnovers are going to happen. Just circumstantially, they are going to have offensive fouls count as turnovers. Like Those things are going to happen. 12 or fewer tonight against a really, really good defensive team in Iowa State would be huge for BYU. What about you? I'm going with, I'm going with three-point shooting. Okay. Now, there's a couple of themes here. BYU is the number one assist team in the country. Uh, they need to get back to passing up the good shot for the better shot. In the preseason, that's what they lived on. You know, they shoot a bunch of threes, but the good threes are different than the better threes. <laughs> they shot 46 threes against Cincinnati. That's too many, but a lot of them weren't good threes. And as a result, there was some you know, almost like panic buying at the end. Sure. Got out of, they got in a hurry, got away from what they do. And um, as a result, Cincinnati just waited and got the rebound. And then they went and attacked the rim. So BYU's number one in averaging 12.4 threes per game. Iowa State's number 163 in defending the three. So I think there's a window there. Starts with assists, pass up the good shot for the better shot, and then, of course, you got to make your shot. And, uh, and you got to shoot better than 28%, which is what they shot against Cincinnati. 28% from three at home is not good enough. So open threes tonight against a team that gives up a lot of threes uh, and shoot better than 28%. Three is always more than two. They're a very good team defending two-point shots. It's a Moneyball approach, really. It's the yeah. metrics. Like, I know many of you have seen the movie Moneyball. BYU shooting a ton of threes because... This is who they are, and it's what they've committed themselves to. It's how they feel like they can equalize the gap. Against and they're some, good at it. Some teams that have more length or yeah. maybe just straight up more talent. BYU has found a way to compete, and th this is the path they have chosen. They are who they are right now. It's not going to go anywhere else. And that's fine because who they are is good enough. Yeah, this team you know. has already – I mean – Again, we're not talking about a couple of uh, degenerate gamblers here in Studio <laughs> B, but we understand the logic of, hey, you place a bet, you win big, and you're playing with house money. All non-conference, BYU won huge day. They're way up, right? And then they get to Big 12 play. They lost a little bit back, but they're still up. Like, they're still playing significantly with house money here. Yeah. So why go away from it? Speaking of the house, uh, one other key I'll throw in there is you got to engage the crowd tonight. And, and in a positive way. Now, the crowd was huge against Cincinnati, and, and once BYU lost the lead in the second half and started to panic, uh, then all of a sudden the players are not feeling the support of the home crowd. They're feeling the anxiety of the home crowd. So you've got to keep that steered and pointed toward sure. Iowa State, and you do that by your performance, doing just what we're talking about. Turnovers, taking care of the ball, making good passes, hitting threes. Engage the Rock yeah. and the rest of the Marriott Center as your sixth man on the floor as opposed to allowing 
Iowa State to neutralize them like Cincinnati did. To your point, the three-point shooting opportunities will be there for BYU tonight. Iowa State cleans up the glass, but I do need to add this. We're talking about the number two defense in adjusted defensive efficiency in the entire country. Iowa State is a very, very good defensive team. So while there will be three-point opportunities for BYU, and certainly shooting from deep is going to be there, Maybe they can test a little bit better than most teams. I, we're we're going to find out tonight. So this, this team is very, very disciplined. And the, they just took care of Houston by four in a 57-53 game, and then they embarrassed Oklahoma State by 24. They held Oklahoma State to 42 points, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I know those games were both in Ames. That, that matters. Home court matters it does. It so should. much. And so... If you can get the crowd going, they can make some big three-pointers early on. Then maybe Iowa State starts to feel the pressure they haven't in a few games. And they've done their scouting just as BYU's done theirs. Iowa State knows what we're talking about, what BYU's going to try to do. And then you find out once they tip it off, who's going to do it better. Yeah. And uh, that home crowd's going to be so huge. Pre-game coverage of tonight's top 25 matchup of the Marriott Center starts at 8 Eastern on BYU TV with tip-off at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio with Greg, Mark, and Ben. Television coverage is on ESPN+. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, why not preview things with BYU's radio analyst Mark Durant? What's his number one key to the Cougars beating the Cyclones and getting to 500 in conference play as BYUSN? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jackson runs it down the alley, pulls up at eight feet, shoots, and scores. He's just showing off right now. Saunders with the steal and the finish. Backdoor oh! first lane. No Waterman. This is BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. It's about time we bring in my favorite Mark as it pertains to BYU and certainly BYU basketball. He is Mark Durant back on BYUSN. Welcome to the show on game day, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great, fellas. It's always, always a pleasure to be on with you and to see your smiling faces. You too. You know, I could say this because Jerem's not there are my total favorites, okay? You too. You know, and that's why we have you on. Whenever we're on together, let's get Mark on because he's going to say something nice. Hey, what are your pre-day, pre-game rituals? You get the game later tonight. You know, you got to make a living between now and then and kind of that stuff. But when do you get into game mode on game day? Yeah, Dave, my dream would it would be to have a life where I could just sit around and talk about sports and hang out with Spencer Linton and, and the gang. I mean, that's a pretty nice life, but I've actually got to make a living. I'm an attorney, real estate attorney, so I've been uh, pumping out documents this morning, and we'll do so until I have to leave uh, for the basketball game. But it basketball is fun for me. It's a nice diversion from uh, my real life, and, uh, and, and so I look forward to it, but yeah, I mean, I kind of cut it close. I work and then and get down there 
uh, as quick as I can and, and then call the game. So n- not a lot of uh, not a lot of fun stuff before the game. You are captain efficiency, Mark. You've always been that guy for sure, whether on the floor and certainly off the floor. Okay, let's uh, turn our attention to before Iowa State specifically. Just a bigger picture question here, because we were discussing earlier the month of January and BYU in the Big Twelve in what is just a gauntlet of a January one and two thus far, obviously with the most recent win against UCF four games remaining Iowa state at Texas tech hosting Houston, hosting Texas wild. What would qualify? It's it's so fun. It's so fun. Did you, you're lucky to get maybe one of those a season. Now you're talking about the next four games, those kind of teams. That's, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. So with that in mind and those four big names taking on BYU to close out January, what record at the end of the month through these seven January games would qualify as good for BYU, all things considered? Well, uh, given the, given those teams, I think uh, if the, in those four games, if you go two and two, that's that's great. I mean, uh, whatever combination would get you there, I think that would be would be really good for you. Now, if you get more than that, that's awesome. That's some real gravy you're pouring on right there, but. And, and you could go on forward, on forward in theory. And uh, I think that UCF win was big to give a little confidence that BYU knows that they can win in this conference and, and they will be home games, but yeah, that's a murderer's row right there. And then to go to at Texas tech is, is certainly very difficult. You look at each one of those teams and their resume and who they've beaten. And the, the, you know, the, it's just, it's just really impressive. So you've got to, you think, well, I think part of the issue is BYU's got to get into a mindset that they belong with those teams, that they should beat those teams. And this team's good enough to beat those teams, but there's almost a mental hurdle sometimes to, to realize you do belong, you are good. And uh, I, I think if BYU can get, get that mindset, start playing a little bit better, shooting the ball a little bit better from three at home, that they can win uh, a lot of those games. But I think two and two, I'll take it. You give me two and two right now, I'll take it. Uh, maybe the team wouldn't. They they probably say we want four and zero. But uh, as I look at it, where BYU is right now, two and two would be great. Two of BYU's first three opponents in this league are newcomers, and now they're going old school. You know, straight old Big Twelve schools. Um, a- as you look at this league, have you figured it out, or does it get it surprise you every day when you look at the results of all these teams beating the other teams, where you go? I can't make sense. TC might actually be the best team in the league, and none of us would have thought that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at how good this conference is, this is clearly the best conference. And what you kind of, I thought, would have hoped was that there would be kind of a lower tier that maybe you can kind of count on those wins. Maybe West Virginia is is that. But even UCF, as we know, before they played BYU, beat Kansas. And so... There's really no lower tier, really. Uh, any team can beat any team, and every team is very good. Every team's very strong and athletic and, and do certain things very well. So uh, th- there's just no easy games. And talking with Coach Pope after the game, he, he loves it, and the guys love it. That There's just no, there's no easy game. Every game is going to be intense. It's going to be an amazing environment. And like we were saying before, maybe you'd have a few of those a year but now every game has that feel. And the, the places we've gone to have been amazing. Baylor and UCF, great environments. Of course, the Merritt Center is without parallel. And, and so it's just every game's an experience. It's something new and exciting. And it's like 
an NCAA tournament game. That's the level of competition. And uh, it's just really cool to be a part of it and see it. And, and uh, BYU struggled a bit, but they've actually played really well in a lot of respects and have been in all the games. And I think if they can just make a few modifications going forward and finish a little bit better, that, that, that can get, get to be where they want to be. Mark Duran is the BYU radio basketball analyst. He's on BYU Sports Nation. We are looking at specific keys for BYU to win tonight's game, and certain metrics have certainly popped off the page. Dave McCann's looking at three-point shooting for BYU, take advantage of the home crowd, make some big threes, get them going. Mark, I'm looking at turnovers, and here's why. Because Iowa State is the number one defensive turnover percentage team in the entire country. So just to put this in layman's terms for those that might not know what that means, if BYU had 80 possessions tonight – Iowa State's turning over 26% of those possessions. So essentially they would force 20 turnovers in those 80 possessions, which is just a wild number, Mark. So I'm looking at turnovers. I feel like if BYU can have 12 or fewer turnovers against the Cyclones, then that is the winning formula. How do you see that, and what key would you add to that? Well, I think you're right about the turnovers. And the positive is if this was BYU's first game in the conference – uh, I'd be even more concerned about it. But the turnovers were an issue against Cincinnati, a little bit less so, but still an issue against Baylor, and a little bit less so, but still an issue against UCF. And UCF's a team that was is like Iowa State. They turn you over. They block shots. Uh, UCF blocks 17% of their opponent's field goal attempts. So BYU now is is starting to learn and learning how you need to play and what passes you can make without turning it over and what things you can do without getting your shot blocked. And so I think that they're more prepared now to face a team like Iowa State rather than if this was the first game in conference, they'd probably have a lot of turnovers. But I think they're getting better. They're understanding what they can and can't do. So I'm hoping at least that they, they the turnover will be around 12. And if they do that, they'll have a great chance because that's what Iowa State relies on so if you take away uh, from a team something that they do the very best then then you're ahead of the game obviously and then i agree though with dave because you know listen dave used to shoot the lights out in the eighth <laughs> ward uh, from the three-point line so he knows about three-pointers and and byu really hasn't shot the ball great and and, and one of the weaknesses that so if you take away the strength which uh, which with iowa state like reducing your turnovers and then you exploit their weakness, which is three-point defense, uh, and able to knock down three-point shots, then th then you're going to win the game. And so I, I think it's a combination of those two, making around 35 to 40 percent at least from the three-point line, and then limiting your turnovers. If you do that at home, you'll win this game. Listen, my job was not to shoot the lights out. It was to turn the lights out because I had the key for my dad before we left the church. That was my skill that I brought today. Uh, let's talk about Fusini Traore. And, and one element that we are in that we've never seen before is, is in a conference, there's no margin for error. So how do you bring a player back who needs minutes uh, to kind of get his stuff back? Uh, and there's no Pepperdine. There's no Pacific. Um, there, there's no team where you go, just go out there for 20 minutes and work it out. Um, and so he's getting better, but he's a dominant player when he can be dominant. But in this offense and in this league, do you think we're even going to see that Foose back until next season? I hope so. I think you're right on, Dave. I mean, I, I was hoping that 
Boost could play in that Wyoming game before the conference because I felt like he needed to get you know back into it, get in the flow, get acclimated again because uh, because it is hard. There's no uh, situations now where every possession isn't critical, so it's hard to play a guy that may be not not quite right yet. And you know the first play against Cincinnati that Foose came into the game, he turned it over, and it, it, you know coaches want to be patient, but the reality is. If you get too patient, then you're down by double digits. And, and so you you want to go with what you're comfortable with. And Ali Khalif has been playing great, which has helped a lot. Um, but I, I just think Foose is a he's, – he's different than most guys because he's so critical, I think, to BYU's success as far as providing a post presence. Um, and you talk we talk a lot about the fouls. One way you can get a foul, foul is to go into Foose and – you know, he big men get fouls because they're banging and they're right at the rim and referees call fouls. And BYU doesn't have a real post presence without Foose, and so hence they're not shooting a lot of free throws. But even without the free throws, just being able to get a different kind of a bucket uh, for BYU rather than just relying on the three is helpful. It collapses the defense. Most of the good, really good looks from three that you see come from the ball uh, – from a player getting a touch in the paint, whether it's through dribble penetration or a pass down low to a big man. If a player from BYU catches it in the paint without shooting in the paint, that's when, and they kick it out to a three-point shooter. Those are the best three-point shooters uh, and, and shots. And, and so Foose is a guy that certainly can do that for you. I think Ali Philippe is getting better with his back to the basket. Noah Waterman could be better. But if you talk about fouls and and, and doing things that can really <clears throat> help your team. I think you need a post presence like Foose. I hope it's Foose. I think he's showing signs. He hit a big, big bucket in yes. that UCF game yeah. when they when they absolutely needed it. Late, yeah. That'll help his confidence, and uh, he, he'll get it back. He'll, he, he will, hopefully sooner rather than later. Mark, great stuff. Always great to talk with you on a game day. And uh, take care of that real estate business. Earn the big bucks, and then come talk hoops with us, yeah. man. I love it, guys. You're my favorite. Anytime you need me, I'm your man. Listen, you if, you're, if he's smiling coming into the Marriott Center tonight, we know he's had a good day of business. <laughs> so we're going to watch for that. <laughs> uh, see you, Mark. See you. Mark BYU. Duran on BYU Sports Station. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is back Thursday night. The coach and a player will break down tonight's game, set the stage for Texas Tech. Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern, BYU TV app and ESPN+. BYU is one of how many Big 12 basketball teams ranked in this week's AP poll? It's a record number, I'll tell you that much. So does that mean it's tougher than we even thought before? Mm. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He's Dave. Time for today's headlines. Let's go. BYU quarterback Keith Slovis, tight end Isaac Rex, and punter Ryan Rico all accepting invites to play in the 2024 East-West Shrine Bowl. The game will be played February 1st in Frisco, Texas. We'll have more on this in just a moment. Isaac Rex uh, making, the, making the rounds with the All-Star game. He was in the Hula Bowl yep, Saturday. Awesome. Women's basketball lost 82-50 at Oklahoma State last night. 25 turnovers became 38 points for the Cowgirls. Lauren Gustin had a double-double. Of course she did. 
10 points, 10 boards, meaning she's only four rebounds away from the BYU all-time record, which she should set Saturday against Texas Tech in Provo. Dave McCann on the call. That's going to be something, and it should be done at home, and it looks like it will be done at home. The Big 12 preseason coaches poll for softball is out. BYU's picked to finish seventh out of the 10 competing schools. The reigning in back-to-back -back national champ Oklahoma's number one, Texas right behind them. It'll be good when both of them leave the conference. Cougars start the new season February 8th against Kansas City, Missouri at the Paradise Classic in Hawaii. I will always be grateful to Texas and Oklahoma because they're the reason BYU's in the field. Absolutely. And just always. But it'll be nice to see them uh, moving on. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. Good. Swimmers Brad Prolo and Tanner Edwards each earned Big 12 honors for their performances at the Denver Tri-Meet last week. Prolo, co-swimmer of the week, won the 200 fly, 100 breast, and Edwards was named the Newcomer of the Week after winning the 100 fly and helping BYU sweep the four relay events. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Brand is presented by Marish, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Which of the three players going to the Shrine Bowl could help their draft stock the most? Slovis, Rex, or uh, Rico? I think Rex is on the radar. I think Slovis needs some help. Didn't have the year he wanted or BYU wanted, right? Ryan Rico, I think, is good to go. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll say Slovis on this one. I don't think either of the, any of the three will be drafted at this point, perhaps Rex in a later round. But uh, yeah, it's great that they got this invite because it's a chance to showcase and get in front of GM. It's important for Slovis to be able to show that he's healed and that he, his arm is alive again and he can zip it around, which we hadn't really seen since after Arkansas when he got hurt. Then he held on for as long as he could before those last four. So I hope, yeah. I hope for Keaton he gets a big chance. Joey's he's healthy and just give him an opportunity as an undrafted free agent. At Deeg Sports on X has been posting which college football programs produced the most production in the NFL in 2023. He's got his criteria. He says BYU has the eighth most of any program. He's taking into account offensive and defensive numbers. Eighth is pretty good. What do you make of these numbers? I'll tell you, these numbers support what is discussed every Monday morning on this show, is how many Cougars did amazing things in the NFL the day before. And it seemed like it was every week. Certainly Fred Warner, number 54, leading the way. But if it wasn't Taysom, it was Puka, it was Fred, it was Kyle Van Noy, and on and on and on. These numbers support the fact that BYU is all over this league, and they are not just performers, these are producers on the field and it's been a special season. In the way he quantified it, to be number eight among all colleges production in the NFL is incredible. Obviously highlighted by Puka's spectacular year and Fred's first team all pro year as well. Van Noy's what, nine sacks? Know, which, is, which is also awesome on a number one seed. As mentioned earlier, Texas lost to UCF at home last night. Uh, afterwards, Longhorns coach Rodney Terry got bent out of shape at UCF players because he saw them doing the horns down yeah. thing during the handshake line. Uh, what do you make of this? I wish the UCF players would have just done the horns down away from the line. If they want to do that somewhere else, I have no problem with that. They respect Texas so much, they got excited about the win, right? But um, I, I agree that kind of near the line is maybe not the ideal spot, but leave that, head towards your tunnel, do horns down and then you're good. Look, the good I think news, you would have been fine The good there. news for Texas is they're moving to a league where the fans are so sensitive. They're very understanding. That they the will SEC. not even think about doing the horns down all over the SEC. <laughs> are they crazy? Remember they when it was a penalty? This. They created, it's like, you know what? We're gonna put a bunch of fire ants here and then we're gonna stir them up. 
And then we're gonna keep stirring them up. And you know what? They've made it so bad that everyone's going to give them the horns down because of them. And UCF's new in the league. You're, you're one of the big dogs in, in collegiate athletics. Maybe the big dog in terms of brands. Like, you're, you're asked for it a little bit. The horns gotta get over themselves. Yeah. And it's not gonna happen in the SEC. The no. horns will be down the second they take any field in that league. Yeah, I need more cowbell from Mississippi State, <laughs> not less. Let's go. Okay, we were hoping women's hoops would win last night and Lauren Gustin would possibly break the record. Neither of those happened. But, hey, you're on the call Saturday, so selfishly, we're rooting for you to have that opportunity to see that. How did you balance the disappointment of the loss but the excitement that the record would be done at home Saturday? Watching the game, they were so outmatched physically. Um, it was just one of those kind of games mm. that you expect to see as a newcomer going into the league, especially undersized, uh, on the road against a team with size and a team that's good, and, and that game was over in the second quarter. Okay, uh, and, and they boxed out Lauren pretty good, um, but BYU didn't play very well at all. Pretty good is 10 rebounds, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that is pretty good, <laughs> below our average. So I, what I like is that they come home, chance to regroup, uh, a chance for Lauren to break Tina Gunn's record, in the Marriott Center in Provo where so many of those rebounds have come. Chance to be with family and friends and, and have a good time. And also try to beat Texas Tech, who by the way, beat a top 25 team in Iowa State uh, yesterday. So the Red Raiders are coming, feeling like they're moving in the right direction too. So it adds some drama to a game that's going head to head against the men's game. Uh, uh, at the same time, we're on ESPN Plus. The men are on ESPN 2, I think, or you? One of those I just know on, BYU Radio on day. Saturday. So anyway, there's a reason to yeah. check in and watch Lauren Gustin make history. Yeah, bummer to lose and lose in that way, but excited for Lauren to do it in front of the home crowd. That's going to be a special night for Lauren and her family. Hey, on this week's Her Why podcast, Lauren McLean is joined by BYU soccer goalies Savannah Mason and Haven Empey. Talk about competing against each other, finding joy in seeing each other grow, serving missions. Of course, they're doing a lot of winning. Listen wherever your podcasts are found. Coming up, the Jones brothers, Zach and Cooper, join us in studio. They just took top two in the uh, St. George Amateur. Dave, we said we could take them, but not in golf, not which in is golf. still true. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. Shep, Austin Collie here. Let's get to today's headlines. Let's do it. Number 20, BYU basketball hits the road tomorrow for a ranked matchup against number 25, Texas Tech in Lubbock. BYU is 2-2 two two in Big 12 games this season, but has won two straight. Texas Tech is coming off its first Big 12 loss of the season against number five, Houston. Pre-game coverage for tomorrow's game begins at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. Lauren Gustin and BYU women's basketball host Texas Tech tomorrow at the Marriott Center. History can be made as Lauren Gustin is just four boards away from becoming the program's all-time leading rebounder. You can watch the game on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus or listen with yours truly on BYU Radio starting at 6 Eastern time. It's a big weekend for the Cougars in the NFL. It's a divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and BYU has four Cougars in action. Four, okay, you heard me right. Fred Warner and the number one seed 49ers host Zane Anderson in the seven seed Packers tomorrow. 
Kyle Van Noy and the one-seed Ravens host the Texans tomorrow, and Andy Reid's Chiefs play at the Bills on Sunday. Number nine, BYU men's volleyball plays two road games at number 15 UC Santa Barbara this weekend. That begins tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time, and you can check it out on ESPN+. And the number 26 BYU Gymnastics heads to Ames, Iowa to take on the number 28 Iowa State in its first ever Big 12 matchup tonight. You can watch it at 7.30 Eastern on Big 12 Now or on ESPN+. BYU women's tennis will play three matches this weekend at the Arizona Hidden Duel. The Cougars will play Arizona, Missouri, and Michigan State. And BYU softball's Hunter, how do we say that? Hunter Ava. Ava was named the preseason All-Big 12 team yesterday. Forgive me, Hunter. Ava is the reigning WCC Player of the Year and was BYU's lone selection on all-conference team. Former BYU women's volleyball players Whitney Bauer and Kamile Hiapo both made the start of season roster for the Atlanta Vibe. Atlanta is one of the seven teams in the newly formed Pro Volleyball Federation with the inaugural season beginning on Wednesday, January 24th. Also, Whitney McEwen Larinus has signed with the Portuguese professional club SL Benfica. Those are today's headlines. Now it's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. How impressive of an accomplishment is Lauren Gustin breaking Tina Gunn's rebounding record, which has stood for 44 years? It's massive. 44 years for a, a record. I mean, and Tina Gunn was unbelievable. For that record to last that long, what Lauren has done, and it's every game, you talk about consistency. She is a double-double machine. She's got 71 career double-doubles in her career. She'll, she needs four rebounds. She should get four rebounds in like the first two minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like she's just so steady and and it's I'm so happy for her to have the opportunity to get that record tomorrow. It's very impressive. And I think re rebounds kind of like a character record. Sure. Right? How much character you got, how much hustle you have. It's so fight. It's determination, no right? Question. No yeah. question. So congrats to Lauren. All right, this is what I love this story. Miami tight end Cam McCormick announced yesterday that he received a waiver for his ninth year of eligibility. Austin, should you apply for a waiver for your last year of eligibility? You know what, I was, I was just telling the wife the other day, I think I got a few routes left in me, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, would love to play with uh, under the direction of Fessy. Uh, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta grab a couple, you know, Don Joy knee braces, strap them up, <laughs> just, sure. just to get through a, a single practice, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, man, one more year, why not? Like. I'm so glad when I saw this story, the first thing I thought of was, thank goodness it's not at BYU. And maybe, it's, look, it's happening at Miami. So we can end the old jokes, yeah, right? Yeah, no, we would have gotten hammered for that. No, one. there's no question we would have gotten hammered if this happened at BYU. But thank goodness it happened at Miami. Nine years, ninth year of eligibility. That, Almost a decade. That's long enough to have lived in like the pre-NIL era and now the NIL era, uh, yes. era right? On, yeah. the, on, on the NIL side of things, right? Like yeah. he got to experience both worlds. He gets to tell his team back in the day, yeah. right? When there was no NIL, this is this this was the struggle that I went through. He gets, yeah, he gets to be the back in the day guy. He no gets question. to be that guy. No question. Kansas head basketball coach Bill Self was asked about how unpredictable the Big 12 has been this season. We talked about this all segment long, Jason. Let's listen to his response. It's it's a wild, wild league. Uh, I can't get over how competitive it is. I, I uh, When Cincinnati and BYU came into the league, we knew what we were going to get with Houston. 
and Houston will deliver on exactly on what we thought they were. I don't know that we really banked on getting what BYU and, and, and Cincinnati bring to the table uh, 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 this early in the, in, in, in the process. And UCF, you know, here we are going to talk, you know, UCF hasn't played consistently at the level of the other three. They're good enough to beat Kansas and Texas. So, so uh, it, it, it is a wild, a wild league. And then you get, uh, you know, K-State had a huge win the other night. And you get, you know, Tech got off to a 3-0 start. It's just, uh, it's going to be crazy the whole year. And what we perceive going into the year as being, okay, we can catch our breath now has been taken away. There's no breath catching weeks. It's going to be like this for, what is it, all nine weeks. So, Jason, let me ask you this. Has the competitiveness of the conference been tougher than you thought? No, it's been exactly what I thought. And I I had, I knew going in, look, we've, we've talked about it forever, that it's the best basketball conference. And you knew, when you're talking last year, that a team with five losses won the conference. Yeah. Kansas won it last year with five losses. Like in the WCC, you have five losses, you're done. Right. You have two losses, you're done. Right. And in some cases, you have one loss and you're done. So yeah, I mean, it has not surprised me at all. It is everything I had hoped for and it is glorious. <laughs> I love all right. it. All right, which former Cougar has the best shot at making it to the Super Bowl this season? You mentioned that there's four Cougars that will be playing in the NFL playoffs. You have Fred Warner with the Niners, uh, KVN with the Ravens, Zane Anderson with the Packers, and then uh, Andy Reid and my Chiefs. So, so which, for, which former Cougar do you think has the best shot? I'm gonna go with Fred, right? Bell cow the defense. The Niners have looked good all year, except against the Ravens. Yeah. But I think you know you need you need that one humbling loss to kind of set you back on track, especially when it was it was kind of later on in the season. Um, I, I you know I, I, they're going to be tough to beat. Niners yeah. are going to be tough to beat. I think they're going to ride this thing out as long as Brock Purdy can stay healthy. Uh, I, I think you know they're, I think they're going to beat the Ravens. Um, even though I think that will be the matchup yeah. that we end up seeing, right? Kyle Van Noy versus Fred. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think that's the Super Bowl matchup that we see, and I, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Fred Warner. I mean, for the most part, it, 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 you can argue this, because there's a lot of Baltimore fans that will say maybe they're the best team all year. I, I think the 49ers have been the best team and, and the most consistent, really, from start to finish. I know they've had a few hiccups here, yeah. but all in all, I think they're the best team, and so I think I think Fred Warner's the answer. I, I'm, I'm excited. I think we're going to get the two best teams in football, right? Which, yep. which sometimes doesn't happen in the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't. Right? It doesn't always happen. So on this week's Big Stories podcast, Lauren Salazar was told she could never be an opera singer. Now she has found purpose through building Texas Tech's uh, mariachi, Los Matadores, keeping the rich cultural heritage of mariachi alive. Listen wherever you find your podcasts. Well done on that, by the way. You know, just a little missionary uh, look, Spanish. Look, you never know when it's going to come into play, right? Up next, we'll learn more about BYU basketball strength and conditioning coach Michael Davey and how the words of a prophet inspired him and changed his life. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. Our question of the day, what is your most blue-goggled take about BYU basketball right now? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Roberts underscore MN on X. 
that the Cougars finally hand off that mantle of most appearances in the NCAA tournament without a trip to the Final Four to Xavier. He'd like to see us move on. BYU has that, which is like a testament to making the tourney, but also you never had that one deep run. One day it's going to happen, Dave. I know. And that's not blue-goggled. That one day. It just has to. It will happen. That it's happening this year, that feels a little blue-goggled. But if you, if you have like a Jimmer Fredette-ish, uh, Danny Ainge-ish guy, you know, anything is possible. But this team is really good, Dave. Who knows what um, they can figure out at some point. And if FAU and San Diego State make a run, why not BYU? It's like hitting a hole-in-one. You play golf long enough, your chances have to improve. Which is and a, then one day. Which is a transition to today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Mike Weir, 2003 Masters champ, BYU ex-golfer, PGA Tour tweeting out this. What are the odds? Mike Weir, this is in uh, Hualalai, Hawaii at the Mitsubishi Electric Champ. Look at that wind. Hole in one in that kind of wind. Wind aided, but who cares, Dave? That's amazing. That's when, look at the celebration. That's when Hawaii is not paradise when there's 90 <laughs> mile an hour winds. Hey. But a hole in one, how about that? And he can't even get the ball out. It's so windy. Look out. <laughs> but thanks to today's guests, Greg Rubel, Cooper, and Zach Jones. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of Conversation continues 24-7. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Congrats on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Andrea Willis. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.